I'm Vesa Punka from Junior Tennis Champion Center JTCC, and you are listening Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome back to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm Fabio Molly, your host. Today I chat to Vesa Ponka, who's been running the JTCC since its launch back in 1999. The JTCC is different from most academies. First of all, it doesn't call itself an academy. Vesa will tell us why. And secondly, it's based on a non-for-profit model. Its most famous student is Francis Tiafo, whose dad helped build the centre and then got a job as a janitor. And Francis would spend all his time there playing, watching and living, as well as dreaming tennis. Previous guest Rob Montgomery from episode 123, check it out, who was last year's US Open junior champ, began there at six years of age. Vesta tells us what makes the JTCC special, how it recruits players, how every player has to give back on a weekly basis, maintaining coaches over the long term, and also how they are people first, player second centred, and much more. It's a really good episode. Before we chat to Vesta, a shout out to our podcast sponsors, Slinger, who we just renewed our long-term sponsorship with. They make the awesome portable ball machine, the Slinger Bag. They've just updated their site at slingerbag.com. Check it out. They now have a community section with drills ensuring you get the most out of your Slinger Bag. They have weekly tips from their team of pros, coaches, and experts. Head over to slingerbag.com to check it out. Secondly, we've actually updated our own website, functionaltennis.com. It runs a lot quicker. We've our podcast episodes split up. We've all our products there. It's smoother. It's more mobile friendly. And head over to functionaltennis.com to check that out. Finally, make sure you hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. Next week, we're going to be chatting to Francis TFO. Amazing. Was super fortunate to speak to him. He tells us more about his days at the JTCC, but also so much more. Probably one of the more deeper podcast episodes we've had. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. But let's start chatting to Vesa. Here we go. Hi, Vesa. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much for having me. It's really exciting to have you on. The JTCC, the guys, the team reached out at me last year and it was one of those crazy moments. I skipped, didn't do my research, but more recently I have done the research and I was so excited to hear about the academy, well, it's not an academy, you'll tell us that, it's it's a training centre, but just to hear about what you guys are all about and the way you're totally different to everybody else. So before we talk about the training centre, tell us a bit about you, where you're from, a bit of your tennis and how you got involved with the JTCC. Yeah, I'm uh, originally from Finland. I was uh, always a top 10 junior player and top 10 senior player in Finland and then moved to Germany, you know, Chasing the dream. I was very lucky. My coach was Nikki Pilitz. Played the German, the money tennis and, and the club tennis and, and played satellites and, and challenges, but never made the big breakthrough. Got a few points there and here. Never made the big money. So in my early 20s, I decided that, hey, I have to get my education. And, you know, came to USA. Uh, went to Univer- University of Tennessee at Martin. Got my undergraduate and, and MBA from there. And, um, you know, the college tennis was pretty easy, you know, after I came from uh, from Europe. And then, uh, you know, I had been here in the United States since that. And, and after graduating, I uh, was coaching a lot on the lower level tours and, and, and ITFs. And then suddenly, um, Mr. Ken Prody called me in 1999 and asked to have a meeting. And I had never heard about the guy. And 
met with him, very successful, you know, business person from the Wall Street. And he told me about his dream and his vision to create a very unique non-profit tennis center. And he's such a strong personality that it took me about 1.5 seconds to decide that, hey, this is exactly what I want to do. And, and, and I took a leap of faith. And, and that's how we started it in 1999. Wow. Quickly, you mentioned the University of Tennessee. Last week's guest, Connor Gannon, is at the University of Tennessee. So just totally random fact, which okay. they got to the they got to the ITA finals, All-American finals this week. They lost in the final, unfortunately. But that's just quick aside. Yeah. He's a freshman there. But so tell us, what does the JTCC stand for? Like I said, we are very unique, at least here in the United States. We are non profit organization and and so we are tennis for everybody and this place was built 23 years ago for the kids and we wanted to create a very unique training environment and learning environment uh, mentoring was is a big part of what we do we all know how insanely expensive tennis training in high level is especially here in the united states so our nonprofit has a financial aid function Every year we give out five, six hundred thousand dollars in, in financial aid to the families who cannot afford high performance training. And that sets up a part in the sense that it's almost unheard of nonprofit running a successful high performance pathway. And I think that by luck and hopefully a little bit by design, we have been successful creating that model here in the United States the last uh, 20 plus years. Yeah, look, as most people know, tennis academies are there to make money. And normally the, the students in it pay for the really good students. You know, there's always yeah. like a couple of percent of great students and who don't pay. And then most of the students pay to have them. Obviously, they get great training. A lot of them go to college, but they learn a skill. But yeah, your side is totally different. And what determines, so how do you pick somebody First of all, to get free financial aid, obviously, how do you find players? How do you decide who pays? Can a player who listens to this podcast, let's say, yeah. who lives in Maryland and says, look, oh, that mom, that academy sounds great. Can I go there? How can they get in? Maybe you can answer those questions. They're really interesting. Sure. We like to think that we run JTCC like a small European federation. You know, we are surrounded by 8 million people here and there's plenty of athletic talent and we just have to find it. So as a small federation in Europe, you know, we have our own uh, fundraising. We have our own talent identification and talent search. We have our own high performance. We have our own pathway and a coaching education. You know, we go to the neighborhoods and, and we try to find a great athletic talent. And, you know, our players have to give back and they are there with us. So that's how we get the local talent, hopefully interested in tennis. And then if and when they show interest and, and, and we feel like, uh, you know, they have a chance to play in Division One tennis in, in college, then the family goes through the, the financial wedding process. And we have a third party agency in New Jersey who does actually all the college uh, financial aid process too. And uh, all the financial information goes to that agency. They have a secret formula that will spit out the number that then we as a nonprofit, we will react to that number. Some families can afford 50%, some can afford 75%, some families cannot afford anything. 
And that's when our foundation and financial aid will come into the place and hopefully we can help those families out. Nice. And two things here. One is some of the most more famous players you had are obviously previous guests in the podcast, actually Robin Montgomery, who was world ITF number two junior. She was winner of the US Open. Junior's future functional tennis podcast guest, Francis TFO. He's probably one of your most famous guests. I can't wait to hear about what you thought, yeah. how you thought he was special from young age. And then Dennis Kudl as well. And you did mention that Dennis, he was the one who wants his family paid to be there. Yes. Uh, you know, we as non-profit, we are not... Uh allowed to give merit-based scholarships. So everything is based on a financial aid. And, and the families that can afford it, we expect them to pay. And, and otherwise, it wouldn't fare. And, and you know, Dennis, uh, you know, was able to pay for the training. And then uh, that's how we operate. So we are not able to go or even willing to go out there and say, hey, you are a great player, come here and, and, and we will give you everything for free. That wouldn't be the right way to operate. So everything is financially vetted and, and no merit scholarships. Nice. And let's talk about, let's say, two of the players, Robin. So she started with you, from what I heard, when she was six, was it? That's correct. Robin actually comes from one of those outreaches that uh, we, we serve and, and she was picked from there and, and she started when she was six years old and it has been a great 10 years. She was always a very special kid. She always needed to win everything. I, I remember when she was warming up six, seven years old and she was always looking around and she needed to win all the warm-ups and all the sprints. And it was very easy to see that, hey, there is something very special about her. And another thing that nowadays is really fascinating to me, at least, is Rapin was always a very keen reader. She read a lot of books and she's reading a lot of books. And nowadays the kids just don't do that stuff anymore. And, and, and so, you know, that there was a lot of these little signs that, you know, there's a special person. She was always one of our hardest working players. And, you know, we all know that how much talent she has. So uh, we, I think that we saw that if we just, you know, take great care of, you know, with our mentoring and everything, that good things will happen. Nice. And with Francis, obviously his story is kind of well documented how his dad yep. worked. His dad actually helped build the courts, did he? And then he got a job. Is that true? That's right. Uh, and then he used to right. sleep in one of the rooms there. That's all true, yeah. is it? That is true. You know, um, the Francis's dad um, was the one of the maintenance workers when we started to build this uh, place in 1999. He did such a great job, so he impressed uh, Mr. Ken Prody, our, our founder, and, and, and so, you know, we offered um, him a maintenance position here permanently, and he did a great job, and, and you know, Francis has a twin brother, Franklin, and, 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 you know, they have been hanging around here since they were five, six years old, and there were times when uh, Constant, Francis's dad, had a night shift or whatever, and, and, and the boys actually slept in the trainer's room on the, on the massage tables. That is actually one of the reasons why Francis's tennis IQ is so big and advanced because he has seen more tennis than most of the pros in, in their lifetime. And, and, and that's, I think, that it was really important that he was in an environment and he was always looking around and, and trying to mimic everybody. And, and his mind was in tennis 24-7 and luckily we had an environment for him to, to, to live in. What was he like as a, as a young kid? You know what? Just like what you see nowadays. I mean, that the, the, the huge smile, 
great personality, always willing to help everybody. And one thing that we are trying to be really proud of what we do, we, we try to create that give back mentality to our kids. And Francis was always willing to give back, uh, always helping other kids. And he was just joy to be around. And it was very clear to see that he loved the game so much. I mean, I always say that, uh, that you know, tennis was Francis's best friend and he took great care of his friend and he spent a lot of time with his best friend. So, um, you know, it, it's really there's what you see nowadays and hopefully 10 years on the road is exactly how Francis went when he was younger. And now he's here always training between the tournaments and we are so lucky to have him around because uh, all the kids, all the younger players look up to him and He's dealing with them just like they are equal. I mean, he is one of the best people that I have seen around the other kids. We are so lucky to have him around and, and, and of course, Robin. So they are a great example for, for our younger generations. You mentioned all your students have to give back to the community. They have to, I don't know, play with veterans, with wheelchair tennis athletes. They have to get involved in the community. I do know Francis won the, is it the Arthur Ashe Humanitarian Award? Uh, of a few years ago. So, you know, you have to learn these things. So you must have learned those things from being in a good environment, spend so much time with, with you guys, with his good family. But maybe tell us what are the sort of things that your students have to do on a weekly basis? Yeah, like I said, we, we are a little bit unique in a sense that you cannot train here if you are not willing to come back, uh, willing to give back. And another thing, you cannot train here if you are not willing to do the fitness. So those are the two <laughs> things that we are really big on. So, Everybody does fitness every day and everybody has to give back. And, um, you know, I think that it's not maybe a big secret, but tennis players, you know, we might be the most selfish people in the world and the tennis coaches are right behind there. So we feel strongly that we have to change the, the perspective and change the, the way of thinking. And, and that's why, uh, you know, we have designed the programs that our players and the staff members and, and the management team, everybody has to give back in the organization. And that means that they have to, they will be spending time with the underprivileged kids in, in our outreach programs in Washington, D.C. They will spend time with the Special Olympic athletes, wheelchair tennis players, uh, veterans. And the whole idea is that we want them to create this new perspective, understanding that, uh, you know, there are a lot of different kind of people and tennis players around and we need to appreciate everybody. We need to, you know, to be happy that we are able to hit uh, yellow tennis balls with a stick and just having that perspective. And what time has shown us that, and I strongly believe that it is true, when we get this new perspective out there with these players, they actually handle the pressure much, much better. They tolerate the pressure better. They play the bigger points better. And then that's just being a byproduct. The main product is that, uh, you know, when they go out in the world, they already have that established give back mentality, which we think that nothing is more important than that. And tennis is a great sport to be involved and, and being able to give back. Agree. And I do agree with the point with the selfishness, like tennis players are very selfish and and, and and we have been trained to be, and there's nothing wrong with it. But you know, in a life, you know, the, you know, there's a lot of life to be lived after being a player. And uh, you know, we have to be able to shift the mentality that instead of you know just uh, 
being a taker, now you have to be a giver. Maybe being a slightly arrogant, now you have to be humble. And, you know, so those are the things that um, you have to have that mental shift happening and it doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, these kids, they are with us 10 plus years and we feel like uh, our environment with our mentors and the teachers give them the best chance to make that shift and, and having that healthy perspective and when they are 18 years old you mentioned the kids are with you like 10 years plus on average but how long are your coaches with you that's an important question because so many academies coaches move you know a few years gone to the next academy to the next academy but what's the average lifespan a coach stays at the jtcc that's a great question we are really proud of that one because um, our retention rate not only for the players but the coaches is at least here in the united states is very unique uh, like i said uh, i have been here for this is my 23rd year from day one and i have a uh, Great coaches. Coach Oliver has been here 22 years with me. Coach Ali, who is Robin's mentor, has been here 18, 19 years and anything between. So, um, you know, you have met uh, Coach Asaf, who has been with us seven years and he's a rookie. And, 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 uh, and so, you know, we are really happy that the coaches are staying with us, which is actually really important because when we are dealing with the young players, consistency is everything. And, and I think that many times, we discount that fact that the consistent good influence makes a huge difference. And we have been really lucky to have an environment that not only players are staying, but the coaches are staying. It must make such a home environment. Let's say take Francis, for example. He comes back there on a regular basis. I know he's there yeah. now. And to see the same faces around, like that must be such a great feeling. And, you know, it's, you look forward to going to these places rather than who's the new coach in town today? Who's the new trainer? Yeah. Actually, it's um, like I talk a lot about the learning environment and, and learning environment has to be stimulating, but it also has to be safe. And, and, and I think that Francis and Robin and Dennis Kudla, who also comes back here, they feel like they are coming back home and they don't need to pretend they can be themselves. And, and it's an environment that, that uh, has worked well for them. And, and now, like I said, they are great, young human beings and they are willing to give back you know i think there's a totally win-win situation and it wasn't designed that way i mean we haven't in a sense asked them to be back they just show up here and they have a good time and, and they like it which i think that it's a big compliment and i know we mentioned this before not on not today but about the sort of mentality that you guys are the framework that you've become known for is sort of based on a Norwegian framework, is it? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, from Scandinavia. I'm from Finland, and, and I'm a, I'm a, I have always been a huge fan of how Norway brings up their athletes. And I think that their philosophy is fantastic. It's, uh, it's basically, you know, person first and an athlete second. And, and, and we try to live by that uh, philosophy here. And, and I just like how the Norway... It's a small country, 5 million people. And, and you just look at even the Summer Olympics and, of course, Winter Olympics. They are just doing fantastically well. You know, it's a long-term approach. Um, how they train the youth athletes is, is fascinating. You know, in most of the sports, there are no rankings. And they let the players to develop their, you know, their own individual timetable, which I think that we forget a lot you know everybody's individual and they have their own own schedule to to break through and and so in that sense um, you know i like to think that here in our own little uh, 
bubble that, uh, you know, we operate with that same kind of mentality that, you know, it's a holistic coaching approach. And again, it wasn't really designed. It just evolved that way because we had a really good people around here. And it was a result of good people who care about the kids and who care about the kids to be successful on and off the tennis court. And, and, and we have been doing it for, uh, you know, all these 23 years. Honing, refining, refining. And yeah. you're known for your, the training center is known for its coach education. When the USTA opened up a load of national centers, they based it on your coach education. Tell us more. What is it in your coach education that really stands out? A lot, like I mentioned it earlier, we like to operate like uh, maybe a small federation inside the big federation here. And, and I think that uh, part of the you know, great learning environment is that uh, also the people who are running it are learning a lot. And as a coach, is the moment we think that we know it all, you know, we are going backwards and, and, and nothing is going to happen. So we do a lot of formal and informal coaching education within our team. We like each other. We work well together. We try to always predict what is happening five, six, seven years in the future. And, and, and we go from there. The great thing about training the young kids is that, you know, you have a 10-year-old kid and I think that one of the most fascinating aspects of coaching is that you try to see what kind of player that person could be when they are 18, 19, and then you start to work backwards. And I think that that's the, what makes our profession so fascinating and, and important and great. So here we try to do formally, we, we have a workshops, we talk a lot, group of coaches will go to lunches and, and we, we just simply like to talk about how to make kids to be successful. And then informally, it happens here every single day. Uh, we work side by side. So the junior coach will be working with uh, our director side by side and, and there's a lot of communication going on. And, and, and so I feel that is the best way to really speed up the process. So it's a combination of of, um, you know, formal and informal coaching education. In the bigger picture that, that I'm really trying to work hard is to get everybody to understand here in the United States is that we as the teachers and the mentors and the coaches, we are extremely important. And I sometimes I think that we don't look at it the right way. I'm coming from the country in, in Finland that the teachers are the second most appreciated and respected profession right after the medical doctors. And I, here in the United States, sometimes I, I feel like the respect is not there, but it doesn't help that sometimes we don't think that we are really important, that we don't really have a long-term approach and we are just looking at it, let's make the money and, and, and you know, things will be just fine. So we as the teachers and the coaches, we need to really see how valuable we are and how important we are when we do the things right. And it starts from there. And, 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 you know, if you really create that feeling that, hey, it is important what I do, you know, you are not only doing a great job, but other people around you will feel that one too. So that's kind of the big picture about this coaching education is that understanding that we are really important and it's, it's that we feel that way and then we operate that way. 
like I mentioned earlier, and you know, I'm the first one to admit that when I was younger, you know, I I always felt like um, I'm really important, but it was make me driven by my ego, and 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 so nowadays I'm kind of I'm slowly starting to mature. I'm 57 years old, and I'm starting to see the big picture that actually, you know, we are teaching these life skills, and it is just absolutely fantastic it's 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 motivating and inspiring and hopefully the coaches don't feel like they are working yeah well that that sounds really inspiring and tell me about trust your training that's a sign of us as a coach is also maturing and becoming better in the early days uh, you know we had this you know we created these great training manuals and 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 systems and they were super complicated you know hundreds and thousands of pages of great work now when we look back it's maybe the main motivation was to show outside world how much we know and how we have really learned that you know that you have to focus on fundamentals and the simple things and do them well so those hundreds and hundreds of pages of manuals and philosophies have now kind of you know we have simplified it to be trust your training of course, it's a very loaded sentence because the trust is everything, you know, that you are trying to establish, you know, you know, the, the coach and the player relationship. But then, you know, with the, with the players, with other players, so they understand that the, the player next to you can make you better and you have an obligation to make that other player better. And then, of course, we all know about the parents. Uh, uh, most of the tennis parents are great people, but we have to make sure that there's a trust. So the team has a trust in place. And as we all know from the real life, uh, it takes long time to create the trust and it just takes a minute to, to lose it. So it's something that we really have to be aware. We have to take it seriously. So that is kind of our coaching philosophy at the moment that uh, we have a relationship with the players and the team that they can trust the training when they are under the pressure. And hopefully they are motivated to, to work hard because they can take that leap of faith because they trust the process. Of course, we are very lucky that we have this great example of successful kids who have gone from the, from the six years old to the Grand Slams. But we also have more than 300 players that are playing in the best universities in the United States with, with the scholarships. And we have $22 million of scholarship money earned by those players. So, you know, it's a little bit easier nowadays for us to create that trust. But we have to remember that we can lose that trust in, in no time if we don't walk the walk. So we are not all about talking. Interesting. At Functional Tennis, we are all about helping your tennis game get 1% better every day. That's why our match and practice journals are a great tool to have in your gear bag. The Functional Tennis match and practice journals help you plan and evaluate your matches and practice sessions. It includes goal setting, quotes, pressure tests and more. It's used by players of all ages and levels and it's a great way to get away from your phone and focus in on your game. To learn more, visit functionaltennis.com. And these top ATP Tour players, WTA players, ITF players, 300 college tennis scholarship students. What differentiates them from the guys and girls who don't make that level? Do you see any characteristics from all the kids you've had there that really stand out that you say, I know you may not need, you can't say, oh, if they have that, they're going to make it. But is there anything that really stands out between all these kids that get that bit further and on their tennis journey? I think that's a, Great question, and I'm going to try to answer it by shifting the pressure 
and uh, actually the application to the coaches and the teachers. In our business, in coaching and teaching, you know, we, we have been programmed to always look at the things that what is not right. Oh, his backhand is not good and he's not turning his shoulders and he's not pushing up with his legs. But it's really important to also to look at it, what a little kid or what the kid does well. You know, find that 10% that they do well and then you start to build around it. And I think that that's, if and when we can do that one, now we are creating this environment that the kids actually get a kick out of learning, you know, learning and, and then, you know, motivating is one thing. It's great, but actually the highest level is inspiring. And that's when the, you get the greatest results. And, and that's what we try to do with an environment. So I feel that the kids who are fulfilling their potential, they poured into our environment and they took advantage of it. And um, luckily they had a good people around them. So it's not about who is the fastest and who is the biggest. It's actually, and I think that we have great examples with these three legends at the moment, Federer, Nadal and Djokovic, that it's easy to see that one of the reasons why they are up there because they are also the best learners. They are still learning. And, and one of the skills that we have to teach these youngsters is that, hey, become a lifetime learner, be curious about the stuff. And the kids who are fulfilling their potential, I feel like they brought into the process and they are, they are quick learners and, and they want to learn. And uh, like I said, they have their own timetable to do it. But, you know, if they are consistently learning, you know what, good things will happen. So I would say that that is one of the common things. It's easy to say that, hey, you have your discipline and athletic ability, but I think that it goes a little bit deeper than that, and it goes to that learning environment and how strongly you like to learn. Yeah. You know, we talk about, oh, somebody doesn't have a fire in their belly or whatever. I feel that the, it's, it's a coaches and the teachers and mentors' responsibility to to inspire the kids to go and try to fulfill their potential, whatever that is. You don't call them coaches, you call them mentors, is it? Yeah, it's, um, you know, we are kind of, we have been brainwashing our staff for the last 23 years. So, uh, so you know, we, we don't, you know, on the wall and everything, it's, it's not coaches, they are teachers and mentors. And our mentoring decision that we did 23 years ago might be in the best and the most important decision we made when we started it. We kind of analyzed that every successful tennis player or athlete, they always had that strong driving force behind them. And unfortunately, sometimes they don't get it at home. So we created a really aggressive and, and kind of modern mentoring system that uh, it's not only from coach to coach, but it's a three-tier mentoring that the experienced coaches are mentoring the younger coaches. And then that team is now mentoring uh, maybe a teenage player who is then mentoring down to the younger player and who might be then mentoring somebody who's six, seven years old. And so it's a kind of that all the knowledge and experience kind of just flows down. And, and that's what we have been doing. And like Dennis Goodler, when Dennis was 14, 15 and started to become a really successful player here in USA and in ITFs, you know, little Francis uh, was 10 years old and Francis was you know, not only mentored by him, but was inspired by Dennis. And it's such an example how it, it really works well. Well, so ultimately the goal is for your staff, your mentors to inspire and yeah. for players, to, coaches inspire other coaches, coaches inspire players. And it just 
goes down the river like that. Like, yeah, it's it's, re- it's really interesting. So something we haven't talked about completely different to inspiring is the actual. I keep saying academy, but you insist it's not an academy. Tell me first of all before we talk about the center. Why not academy? Why is it a training center? I'm just curious to know. It just you know you know te- you know English not being my first language, so the the academy just feels. I don't know, little funny. And there are so many academies and institutes and all that stuff. And so we just, again, wanted to send the message that it's the simple things and the fundamental things that really matter. Building a great and solid foundation. So, you know, we are simply calling ourselves, we are a training center. This is the place to train. This is the place to learn and get better. And academy just feels sometimes a little, it just doesn't sound right. And, and we don't mind when people call us academics, but our own mindset is, you know what? We are training center. This is a place to learn. And we show up every day. We train a lot. Most of the time, I like to think that we train smart. So we just simplify things. Um, you know, life is so complicated anyway with these youngsters and, and, and families. So we just like to, you know, to be that safe place simple place that everybody knows that uh, what we are all about nice and your center how many courts does it have indoor outdoors is there pool there is gym there restaurant accommodation is there school importantly yeah no we have a we have a great uh, 23 years ago we built this center from scratch and 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 so we have 30 tennis courts 15 indoor courts 15 outdoor courts we are one of the very few training centers in the United States that we have a red clay courts outside. And, and then, uh, you know, like I said, fitness is a huge part of our, our operations. We have a couple of different gyms. We like to do all our work in a really simple gym. We want to kind of create this Rocky Balboa mentality that nothing is fancy. So basically, and then we do have our school. We have a Maryland private school here. We have had it for... Um, 18 years now and and uh, it's a laurel springs internet school but because education is really important what we do is we have two full-time teachers we have uh, many tutors and helpers so kids are not only studying online they actually have a uh, full-time teachers here to help them with studies and that's one of the reasons why our kids are able to go to the very best universities in the united states so we really don't have any excuses not to produce good tennis players and then more importantly, good people. We actually in the middle of expansion. So um, we're adding hopefully four more acres and, and then, you know, you know, we have some great plans there, you know, and, and that's when we are planning also to have, a, you know, the really nice restaurants and all that stuff. But at the moment, we don't have a restaurant in our premises. Do you have accommodation? Long time ago, I actually made a decision that uh, you know all the outside players will come and they will stay in the in the families. Okay. I, I felt that you know that's the healthiest way to do it. At least they have uh, some kind of family atmosphere and a family feeling, and it has worked really well. Time has been changing a little bit, so now actually first time this year we are going to have a, a dorm dorms available. Uh, close by and and so i think that we will have a combination of some people want to stay in the dorms and then some people want to stay in the families so we are now the first 20 plus years we mostly focused on local talent here Mm. 
but uh, but we are now also bringing starting to bring in some international students you know this is a great place to be and then go to the colleges so that's why um, we will have dorms available this year and and, and then people who want to stay in the families they will have that option too and four acres that's a lot of space you plan to build more tennis courts we are going to plant few more tennis courts uh, and we have some really hopefully fascinating plants there so please stay tuned and, and <laughs> we are operating now at uh, 12 acres so we will have total of 16 acres so we are creating this campus here that um, you know we have become uh, basically a learning center Nice. And, and hopefully we can help not only tennis, but other sports, you know, with this holistic coaching philosophy and, and approach. I'm working a little bit with the U.S. Olympic Committee with these kind of plans that, hey, how do we get this holistic coaching approach? Not only in tennis, we can use tennis as an example because, of course, I'm biased, but I feel like tennis is the best sport in the world to teach the life skills because we all know there's a lot of losing happening all the time. Hmm. And, and, you know, you have a lot of disappointments and, and you just have to learn how to handle those things just like in the life. So, so we are trying to get our message out to the other sports, all the other Olympic sports also. Great. And an important question for all academies, is, especially in Europe, maybe not in the States, but where's the nearest airport? I would like to say that we designed it really well, but we just got, again, extremely lucky. We have three international airports within basically half an hour to 45 minutes to, from our place. We have a PWI close to Baltimore. We have a Reagan National in Washington, D.C., downtown. And we have a Dulles International Airport uh, on, in, in Virginia. So they are all close by. So, uh, you know, it worked out well. Nice. And is I recently on Instagram, I saw a JTCC Florida. Is that you guys? Do you have a sister little center there? Yes. You know, we have a, you know, very good friend of mine, the person that I think that is fantastic coach and a lot of experience is a Claudio Pistolesi from Italy. And, and so he's running our satellite operation there and building it up. There's a private school, Bolas, there that people can go and, 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 and attend the high school there. And, and he's running, a, he has been there now uh, three plus years and, and, and he's running it and he's a great human being. He fits perfectly to our mission. And, and we have some big plans. He's training his, uh, his team and, 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 you know, so, you know, we will see what happens. Great. Now, Claudio is a well-respected coach that I want to get on the podcast at yeah. some stage. Yeah. But, uh, Vesa, is there anything else you'd like to end with? Any important message you think you need to put out to the world uh, before we end this? I'm just uh, convinced that uh, the world is full of great kids and, you know what, great parents. So let's not concentrate on something negative and somebody cannot do this or that or parents are, are a nightmare. We have to look at ourselves as the teachers and coaches and the mentors and always focus on what we can do better. And, and a big part of that one and, and, and my message is that I really want, especially here in USA, to everybody to understand how important work we do and, and it has an effect in the long term. And with that one becomes an application that every day needs to be a masterpiece. And, and, and if we can get into that mindset you know what, you go by 90% of your competition automatically and great things will happen. You know, I just feel sometimes that, you know, everybody's looking at the short-term gain and, uh, you know, just things happening in the short term. 
we all know that it's that's not realistic. You know, the, the good things will take time. And I, I hope that the coaches and the players and the families understand the value of long-term process and are willing to do the do the work and, you know, the mentoring. Nice. And next week's guest for the Functional Tennis Podcast is Francis Tiafo. What one question do you think I should ask him? Ask him that, um, well, how he feels when he, he walks in here. I mean, you know, we try to really be proud of the fact that we want when the people walk in here that we want them to feel inspired. And I think that I hope that, uh, you know, Francis was inspired when he was, was here. But I would love to have it on the record. So please ask that question that, uh, you know, you know, uh, what was the environment for him? And because that is the big thing that we try to improve and we, we, we really take it seriously that our learning environment, um, you know, works for everybody. I'll ask him. And finally, something I'm asking a lot more guests at the minute is, who's your GOAT? Who's your greatest of all time tennis player? You know, when I grew up, you know, I'm from Finland, so it pains me to say, but um, I was a huge Bjorn Borg fan. I mean, the Borg was everything. And, and that was my kind of when I was growing up uh, in 70s. And he was just a man. And, and uh, of course, uh, nowadays we are so spoiled with uh, Federer, Nadal and Dojkovic. And, and, and it's just fascinating to see how these guys are operating. They are in the mid and third, uh, 30s. And, 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 and these young guys are still not getting them out of the sl- slams. So it's just, uh, it's really fascinating. But uh, Bork was my man and, and uh, hard to believe, but I even had a hair like Bork. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had a long blonde hair and now it's gone. But uh, what can you do? And my final question, not tennis related, is the Finns are known for being great rally drivers. Do you ever get into the rally and you good on the ice? You know what, uh, you know, in Finland, you know, you know, when you get your driver's license, you have to also learn how to drive on the snow and the ice. So uh, and then we have a lot of small roads all over the Finland, you know, the gravel roads. So, you know, I, I think that, again, the environment has produced, you know, these, these drivers. And, and, um, and I also think that the Finnish mentality helps, in a sense, you know, uh, pretty calm, you know, like Iceman, Raikkonen, you know, kind yeah. of calm and cool. So I think that that helps a lot. So, yeah, it, it's, um, it's a fascinating fact that the rally and the Formula drivers are coming from the small country. But I think that, again... It's an environment that has really helped uh, yeah. help to get these uh, guys to the top. Yeah, I agree. Well, Vesa, thank you very much. I uh, hope one day to fly into a local airport there and Please. check out the beautiful training centre. But thank you very much. And yeah, goodbye. I, I appreciate it. And thank you. And, and, you know, hopefully we'll see you sometime soon. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I don't know, I felt a bit inspired by it. I thought Vesa was great. I thought the work to do is amazing. And I just wish I knew about them before, but I'm glad I could share the story with you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Can't wait to talk to Francis on next week's episode. No doubt you're going to love it. I'll promise you that in advance. And also, if you found this episode useful, please hit the share button. It means a lot to us. It helps us grow, helps get in front of more ears. And yeah, thank you, Vesta. Thank you, JTCC. Thank you to our sponsor, Slinger. And thank you, most of all, to our listeners. Take care. Bye.